Well, hey, friends, thanks for joining us again today as we wrap up our series, Our House. And if you're new to Next Level, uh, this has been a great series, and I think you should go back and watch because throughout this series, we've been giving you a snapshot of our church. We've explained uh, some of the things that we do, but probably more importantly, why we do those things. So in week three, or three weeks ago, I should say, uh, we started talking about how we got started as a church and how this church was formed around God's calling to reach people who were far from God, as well as uh, Christians who wanted to be on mission with God in reaching their friends, their family, their neighbors, classmates, and coworkers. Then two weeks ago, I talked about how important prayer was going to be in going about our mission, but I also talked about how important prayer is for you personally. But prayer is a two-way conversation, so it's really important for you to be able to hear God and know God's voice for yourself. So I gave you a story that Jesus used to illustrate how you could do just that. would encourage you to go back and watch it. Then last week, Doug did a great job of talking about how important it is that you don't do life and try to figure out faith alone. We were made by God to be in community, so you need to be living life with others, and it's really important to have people in your life that live out and support your values, and that was a great message. Now, there's one really important value for our church that we talk about all the time around here, and that is generosity. God is a giver, and he calls us to do the same. Giving is one of the primary ways that God grows your faith, and if you're not giving, you are missing out on what is probably the way that God stretches you and grows your trust in Him. And you can only give kind of three things. Let's go over that. You can give your money, all right? You can, uh, you know, we unashamedly talk about how you can give your money and how your financial giving is making a huge difference in people's lives. But you can also give your time. And these days, time is a very precious resource, isn't it? I don't know about you, but the older I get, the less free time I seem to have in my life. So you can give your money, you can give your time, but you can also give your talent or your giftings. And all of us have some things that we're good at. Uh, you have a talent or you have a gift. And if nothing else, you have the gift of willingness, right? Being willing to do whatever is necessary to advance God's mission on this planet. And so today, as we wrap up this series, I want to talk about that aspect of generosity. I want to talk about serving, giving your time, specifically giving your time and your talent away. Now, as a pastor, I get to hear more stories from people than you probably get to hear, and that's generally one of the best things about my job. But it can also be one of the worst. It just kind of depends on the story. But one of those great categories of story that I get to hear pretty regularly is how serving has changed someone's life. And in those stories, there are usually a couple of common ingredients. Let me give them to you. As they begin to share, one of the first ingredients is fear. And you say, what do you mean by that? Well, I hear about the fear of stepping out of their comfort zone, right? And they say things like, look, I stepped into that and I was way over my head or I was out of my league. I wasn't sure that I was going to have the time. I was scared and I was praying hard. And so fear shows up and then inadequacy shows up. Inadequacy. Another way to say it is they didn't feel qualified or they didn't feel trained. They just saw a need or heard about an opportunity and they were available, but they didn't feel like they were you know, trained for that. And in spite of those two things, they choose to get involved. And then I hear in the story how, boom, God shows up. So, for example, I heard a story of a woman who was terrified of public speaking. 
but felt called to go serve on a mission trip. And there was, her responsibility was to give a devotional to the group each morning. And I don't know how you feel about public speaking, but they were terrified, and they did it anyway. And in the process, she discovered a gift that she did not know that she had. Now, another story was from a guy who didn't feel qualified to lead middle schoolers, right? I don't know anyone that feels qualified to do that. And he shared how scared he was to, to work in this group, but he did it anyway. And now middle school kids look forward to sitting and hearing what he has to say. And then there's a the story of a woman who struggled to kind of find her place in the world. And she felt lost and purposeless. But then she started volunteering at one of the local women's shelters here. And as she served others, she discovered her own worth and her own purpose. Now, I could literally share dozens and dozens of stories of how people were changed by getting involved in serving others, whether it was serving here at this church or another church or out in the community. But in almost every incident, there were those three elements. There's fear, some form of inadequacy, and then boom, God shows up. And I think it's important for you to hear that because some of you are feeling a nudge to serve, to do something new and unusual, and you are resisting. And there's more at stake than you can imagine. So in Matthew chapter 14, there's a story that Jesus tells or is told about Jesus that kind of captures this tension and emotion that you might be feeling right now. Right? And for some context, Jesus in this story had just gotten word that Herod had made a rash promise to a dancer at a party and beheaded his cousin, John the Baptist, and kind of some strange gift for this young woman. So I want you to imagine Jesus' anger, his grief, and imagine the disciples' bewilderment, right? Here's someone that they watched turn water into wine at a party. He's healed total strangers, yet he can't do anything to stop his cousin from being executed by this coward of a king who's just given into the whims of his lust. So Jesus has just gotten this news, and this is where the story picks up. Verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Right? He, need, he needed a moment. John the Baptist was his cousin. Right? It was his childhood friend. He needs a moment. So in hearing this, the crowds, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So imagine this. Even with all of his grief, all of his exhaustion, he moves back into this crowd that followed him, and he serves all day long. And after serving all day, as evening begins to approach, verse 15. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And, and probably the disciples are like, Hey, we're hungry, and we don't have food either. So Jesus replies, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. So imagine the disciples are looking around and they see a problem, right? It's late in the day and the people need to eat, but there's no way for these guys to feed these. They can't get food. They're in an isolated place. So they go to Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, you need to do something. Hey, Jesus, you need to dismiss this crowd. You need to send the crowd away. Let me ask you. You ever looked at a problem or situation and said, God, you need to do something about that. God, you need to take care of those single moms. God, you need to protect those who are being taken advantage of. God, we need some people to work with the kids or the students at church. You need to send someone to do that. Or, or God, we need more small group options at church so I can join a group that fits my schedule. Uh, God, you need to send some people to start new groups. Am I the only one? 
that thinks God needs to do something? And I'm sure we've all had that thought. We've all had that prayer. Jesus, look at that need. You really ought to do something about that. And here is my suggestion. Okay, this is the disciples. Jesus, send everyone away. So the disciples ask him to do something, right? And Jesus, being true to who he is, he asks the disciples to do something, right? And you need to know this. If you're going to follow Jesus all throughout your life, from time to time, you're going to be challenged to step out of your comfort zone and step into some form of serving. And you will know in your heart that, that uh, this is not just some guilt or, or you know, I'm, I'm trying to reply to the pastor's plea. This is a burden from God for a person or a group. And you're going to hesitate for the reasons that we're going to discuss in just a moment. But your thoughts will turn right to that, that woman in the neighborhood. And you'll think about inviting them over. And in the moment that you have that thought, the very next thought is going to be, but what if? What if? Like, like, what if this and what if that? And every time you hear us, maybe every time you hear us talk about kids' ministry or middle school ministry or high school students, something just tugs at your heart. And then the very next thought is, well, I'm busy. And what if they do this? And I'm not equipped, right? You hear about leading a life group, but you don't know enough about God. And God, what if they ask me a question? And what if I freeze? And what if? And what if? And I don't know. Right? You might feel a tug in your heart to move out of the marketplace and into full-time ministry. But you got a mortgage. you got kids to raise. And, and God probably doesn't offer a retirement plan, right? I mean, ultimately he does. But, but, you know, not what I'm thinking about. And if you follow Jesus for any length of time, you will encounter a call to step out of your comfort zone and into some form of serving. And when that happens, fear and inadequacy is going to show up. And the questions will come. What if? What if? What if? Do you know what that tension is? That tension is your faith being stretched. It's you having to wrestle with questions like, do I really trust God that much? Am I confident that he's with me? So again, anytime a God is calling you to a place of service, there's going to be two things that show up. Fear, like, like, like what if it doesn't work? And what if I fail? And what if God doesn't show up? And what if I didn't hear from God correctly? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Fear will show up and inadequacy. I don't know how. Who am I to tell people how to live their lives? And this is probably what the disciples are feeling right now when he says, you give them something to eat. All right, imagine the disciples are standing there wondering what to do. And just like, uh, I have no idea. And they don't understand what hangs in the balance. And verse 17 happens. So they say, we, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. In other words, Jesus, we can't do it. We're not prepared. We're not equipped. You got the wrong guys. It's just not going to happen. I think they probably just kind of rolled their eyes when Jesus said, you do something. And then in verse 18, Jesus says, well, that's what you have? Bring them here to me. Right? And they're probably thinking, we don't have enough. Like, this is what we have. There's no way this will work. And Jesus says, look, and I think he says this to all of us all the time. Just bring me what you have. But, but, but Jesus, this is all we have. Just bring me what you have. But, but Jesus, I didn't finish college. Well, how far did you get? Well, I got two years. Well, just bring me those two years. But, but God, I, I hardly know the Bible. Well, just bring me what you do know. Well, well, God, I don't have that much time. Well, how much time do you have? Just bring me the time you have. But God, what if they ask me hard questions? Well, just bring me the answers that you have. 
But God, I don't have enough experience. Well, just bring me whatever experience you have. So that's what the disciples do. Verse 19. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up from heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples. Now, I want you to use your imagination for just a minute. Imagine being one of the disciples, and they're standing there. They're facing Jesus, and behind them is this giant crowd of people, like the 5,000 or more people that are standing there. So Jesus takes these loaves and fish. He breaks it up. He hands it to these 12 guys. And now, basically, you have enough to kind of feed yourself in your hand. Now, imagine being there with a few pieces in your hand. There's this giant crowd behind you, and you're standing there looking at Jesus like, mm, what do we do? Right, right, thank you. Is this just for me, or is the crowd gone yet? You know, are they still here? Like, what, what are we going to do with this? So basically, Jesus just gives them back what they handed to him. And then do you know what they did? They did what they knew how to do because that's all they could do. Right? They didn't know how to feed 5,000 people with this little bit of food, but they knew how to turn around and hand people and serve people the food that they had. They simply did what they knew how to do. Listen to how this started. It says, Then he gave them to the disciples, verse 19, and the disciples gave them to the people. So they do what they knew to do and trusted Jesus to do what only he can do. Right? I want us to look at this, and you can say this with me. Do what I can do and trust God to do what only he can do. Your responsibility and my responsibility every single time, it's really simple. You just do what you know how to do, and then you trust your Heavenly Father to do what only he can do. You just simply do what you know how to do, and then you trust your Heavenly Father to do what he can do. Right? Because the tension that you feel and the fear that you feel, the feeling of, I don't know, and I, I'm not sure that I can do this, and I'm not prepared, and all that stuff, all that is, that's your faith or your confidence in God. That is your faith being stretched and being worked out. That is God doing something on the inside of you to prepare you for something. That is God exercising and growing your faith. The tension isn't just about fear or limited time. And the tension isn't just around your insecurity. It's bigger than that because your future size and strength of your faith is at stake. And God is working on your faith and he cares about your faith. And what's at stake isn't simply the needs that might go unmet if you don't do something, right? That's not really the issue. It is much, much bigger than that for you. Look how the story unfolds. Verse 20. They all, so all 5,000, they all ate and were satisfied and disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate were about 5,000 men besides the women and children. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think those disciples ever forgot that day? Do you think they ever forgot the day that they submitted their hands to Jesus and he worked through them? I don't think they ever forgot that day. I think they told that story thousands of times. Why? Because that was the day that their faith soared. All right, we've all heard the story of Jesus walking on water, water, right? He calls Peter out of the boat and Peter walks on water. If you read the next seven verses, you see that that story happens immediately after this event. Right on the heels of their faith being expanded, 
Peter does one of the most amazing things that we have ever heard. He walks on water with Jesus. How is that possible? It's possible because Peter learned that whenever the Savior asks me to do something that I'm incapable of doing, whenever he invites me out of my comfort zone, whenever he invites me to do things that don't make any sense to me, whenever he invites me to do something that's bigger than my capability, if I simply do what I know to do, and he does what he can do, right? Then something amazing will happen. So Peter gets out of the boat. He did what he could do, and he trusted that Jesus would do what only he could do. And that right there is the Christian experience to a great degree. God invites us to do the things, and then we step out of the boat and do them. For some of you, maybe he's inviting you to start a Bible study at work. Maybe he's inviting you to help one of our community partners. Maybe it's to organize activities in your neighborhood. Jesus is inviting you to do what you already know how to do and then see what he can do. But for others of us, like he's been inviting you to serve maybe in one of our children's areas. And there's a part of you that just, for some reason, you just can't get your childhood experience out of your mind. And when you think about our elementary students or our preschool students, you, you think, Man, I wish someone like me had invested in me when I was that age. Like, like when my parents got divorced in second grade, I wish somebody like me had invested in me. Or when my grandpa, the one that I was so close to, when he died when I was in fifth grade, I wish someone like me had invested in me back then. Or when all the kids made fun of me for how I dressed or how I looked when I was in fourth grade, I wish someone like me now would have invested in me then. You just can't get away from it. But when those thoughts hit you, I'm sure that another thought pops in your head. Like, I, I, I'm not cool. Like, what if those kids ask me the wrong question? Like, I, what if I don't have time for this? And what if, and what if, and what if? And Jesus is saying, come on. You know how to fill out a form. You, you know how to walk down the hall. You, you, you can read. The kids may not be able to read. You can read. Come on, I dare you. Come on. I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you to do what you can do. And then I want you to see, I want you to watch and see what I'll do on your behalf. Now, here's what I want to say. Listen, this principle is so big. Did you know that if you're a part of anything that we do as an organization, you are benefiting from the fact that there was a group of people who experienced this in their lives, and they said, I'm getting out of the boat. I'm going to do what I can do and sit back and let God do what he can do. Everything around here, things like our auto repair for single moms, our preschool ministry, our elementary ministry, our coffee ministry, the folks who serve in first impressions, high school, middle school ministry, our community impact, serve Sunday, on and on and on it goes. You get the benefit of people who came before you who said simply this, I will do what I can do and trust God to do what only he can do. I'll do what I can do. And I'll trust God that he'll do what he can do. And nobody knows what hangs in the balance of those kind of decisions. But I'll tell you one thing that hangs in the balance. The maturity of your faith. And the maturity of someone else's faith as well. And aren't you glad that somebody took a chance, they ignored their fear, stepped through the door of their own insecurity in order to introduce you to Jesus? All of us were somebody else's personal ministry. Parents, aren't you glad that someone took a chance to minister to your children? 
And does anybody ever feel fully equipped to work with middle schoolers or toddlers or elementary kids? Does anyone ever feel equipped to lead a small group? No. But it's in serving we get to experience God's power in our weakness, right? That I do what I can do and trust God to do what only he can do. And as your pastor, I long for you to have the experience of seeing God work through your weaknesses and fears in the lives of other people. Your faith will soar as the other people's faith will soar. Your heavenly Father will be honored. So here's the question. Where is God nudging you? Where where is God nudging you? What is God urging you to do, right? You've got to throw your leg, so to speak, over the side of that boat, and you have to take a step even though you don't know the first thing about walking on water. And here is an opportunity that I want to lay at your feet as you ask this question. As a church, we have always worked to create places for people to get connected to God and to His purposes. And before I say what I want to say, I want you to pull out your phone. Yeah, I I know. Pull out your phone, or if you're on your phone, get out your computer. And I want you to go to this website. So, Go to nextlevelchurch.org slash events. Okay, that's the events page of our website. So go ahead and go there. I'll give you a second to do that. So you can go ahead and pull that up. I want you to be right there. There's nothing for you to do when you get on that page, except I just want you to be on that page, and I'm going to ask you to do something in just a minute. So get there. Now that you're there, I want to talk about something exciting that we have in front of us. Beginning in February... We want to make a move to create more opportunities for you to serve and at the same time create more opportunities for people to get connected to Jesus in our church. So this coming February, we want to go back to two services. This will give us multiple service opportunities for people to attend our services. And at the same time, it gives every one of you the opportunity to serve. By having two services... Everyone will be able to serve at a service and then attend a service on the same day. This is what we call it, and we've called it this since our beginning. You serve one and attend one. You serve one service, and then you attend the next service. And by going to two services, we're going to open up 30 to 40 new serving opportunities. 30 to 40 new opportunities for someone's faith to be stretched. 30 to 40 opportunities for someone's faith to mature and to play a role in the maturity of someone else's faith. And... To be honest, our biggest need and our biggest obstacle in this whole idea of going to two services is our kids' ministry. Uh, Before COVID hit, this was one of our biggest areas of serving. But since COVID, if we're honest, it's become the hardest to staff. And if we're going to be successful in offering two services, it begins with how well we take care of our children. And here's what I'm asking you. We need 12 to 15 of you who are not currently serving in our kids' areas to be willing to do what you know how to do, and trust God to do what only he can do. And you say, look, I I, I don't know how to do that. Most everybody that I know here have raised your own children, right? You know how to do this. You know how to play a simple game. You already know how to read a few words out loud and get someone to repeat them to you. You know how to play a video and then ask a few questions. You know how to show a child that you love them. You know how to play a simple game. Some of you... You love babies, right? You know how to hold babies. You know how to play with babies. You know how to smile. You know how to make babies laugh, right? You know how to do this. We just need 12 to 15 of you to do what you know how to do and then let Jesus do what only he can do. 
And I'll admit, there is a lot riding on 12 to 15 people doing this. But as much as I know our church is depending on this, there is much, much more at stake than just another service. So would you be willing to do what you know how to do and trust God to do what only God can do? Would you be willing to do what you know how to do in terms of serving and service to other people and to kids, wherever it is that you feel God nudging you, would you be willing to take that first step? Not because you're ready, but because God has called you out of the boat. Would you be willing to do what you can do and trust God to do what only he can do? Would you be willing to do what you know how to do in terms of serving in our kids' area, to serve one service and then attend the next service this coming February? If so, from that events page that I sent you on, I want you to click on the button that says, I want to serve in kids. From there, just give us a couple of pieces of information and we will be in contact with you about the next steps. And, and don't worry, you will know exactly what it is that you're going to be doing. No guessing, no figuring it out. And if you do this, you're going to experience God in a brand new way. And if you don't, you never will know what God might have done through you if you had just said, look, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it in spite of what I've been capable of, in spite of being untrained, in spite of what I'm scared of, I'm going to do it. Would you be willing? to participate with God in this dynamic because it will grow your faith like crazy and you'll come out on the other end and some other people will be better off and some kids will be served and some other people who need God are going to find God because of what you do. Would you be willing, whatever it is, to go ahead and take a step to do what you know how to do and then watch and see God do what only He can do? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, you know, thank you for this story today. Thank you for the challenge it gives us to do what we know how to do and trust you to do what only you can do. Help us to be willing to step out in faith, even when we don't feel ready, even when we don't feel equipped. And specifically, Father, we pray for those who are considering serving in our kids' area. Give them the courage to take the first step, even if they're not sure what they're doing. Help them to trust that you will use them in a mighty way, even if they feel inadequate. I pray that every one of us would be willing to participate with you in your work. Help us identify the gifts and talents that you have given us and to use them to serve others. Help us to trust that you will guide us and empower us even when we don't know exactly what it is that we're doing. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, friends, thanks for joining us today. If you think today's message might be valuable to someone you know, would you mind sharing this video? Not only could it be helpful for them, but by sharing this content as well as liking and subscribing this channel, uh, you are helping us accomplish our mission to raise the reputation of Jesus. And along those lines, uh, could I ask you to head over to our website, nextlevelchurch.org. While you're there, you can click the volunteer for our kids service, but you can also uh, click the give button and choose one of the giving options that's there. Your faithful support helps us continue to raise the reputation of Jesus where we live, work, and play. So as we wrap up this series, let me read to you uh, the verse from Matthew that we've been reading as a benediction this whole series, Matthew 28, 20, and it says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As you go on mission with him, may he guide you, may he empower you to live out your faith, may you know that his mission is worth everything, and may you do 
what you know how to do. Have a blessed week, and we'll see you back in person next week.